The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks and Roth Step in our Kenja chapter. As we'd like to do at the top of the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. Please check us out over on YouTube. We're getting real close to 1,000 subscribers, and we have a big giveaway when we get to 1,000. So, without further ado, cast introductions to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and um, I just took a little nappy nap. Right. You should be perfectly fine come morning. To Maeve's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I ran so far away. So very far away. Very far away. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and uh, you know what? I really think that went well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no notes, right? Yeah. Perfectly fine. it, It went off without a hitch. That's right. To Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie, and I play Robert Drummond, and that's what the English police get for trying to interrogate us. Mm, absolutely. To Robert's right. Hi, this is James, and I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tattenbach, and I am giving a new meaning to take the wheel, huh? Mm, absolutely. You know, you're pretty much racking up at least one stolen car every continent. I think it's a fantastic match. I know my collection is incredible. <laughs> and last but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex playing Sambaral, who has been witness to uh, Maeve's larger than 24-inch pythons. Mm. <laughs> I think we're going to leave that right there. Before we get into the main action of the evening, uh, we are going to have our investigators do a lock refresh. So we're going to turn right back around to the first chair, to Tiff, who plays Maeve O'Shea, and we're going to have her make a luck roll. What's your current luck? 80. I need to spend some luck. Uh, that's a 42. Okay. So you're going to take nine points of luck. Okay. Lillian is played by Morgan. All right. My current luck is 40. So enough to spend 30. Um, and I get a 72. Very good. <laughs> so that is, you got 72, so you failed. So it's 2d10, which is beneficial because that means you're going to have 14 points of luck. Fabulous. Jack as played by Jake. I have 90 and I rolled uh, 80. <laughs> okay. So you have 90 luck. Uh, you'll, you'll cap likely because you have the lucky merit, which mm-hmm. means you roll. Yep. On the floor. Uh, yeah. So that'll cap you at 99 because no one can have a hundred luck. Wunderbar. Robert as played by Lonnie. Uh, sure. Why not? Um, I have 31 luck. That's entirely coincidental. Hmm. And I rolled a 36. Oh, so a failure. Fantastic. I'll give you 17 points of luck. Holy crow. I love it. Doctor Sigmund Tottenbach is played by James. Oh, hello. Uh, I rolled a 57 under my 93 luck. Okay. We're getting a lot of people capping luck, which might be good, might be bad. Uh, so you will cap at 99 as well now. Wunderbar. Thank you. I hope you all know how bad this is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last but most certainly not least, Sam is played by Alex. Uh, that is a 94 over zero. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, that's fortunate. So you have you get 19 points of luck. Ooh, look how I lucky you are. Another couple sessions like that, you'll be able to spend some. Oh, you think you're going to get more? Hmm. Well, with luck out of the way, we are going to raise the curtain tonight with the sound of an automobile. Uh, that automobile is churning, making some sort of motion towards the investigator's hotel because the aim is to pick up their lost or left behind items at Hampton House Hotel. So I'll just ask the driver of the vehicle, which would be Sigmund, how are you approaching? Where are you stopping? What's the game plan? Doc has read enough of those trashy detective novel detective novels and uh, at late nights at the office and has talked to Jack enough to know that it would be pretty Bush League to pull right up to the hotel. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jack, would you um, perhaps a block away? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Go around back. Yep, pull around back about a block away, turn off the lights, and uh, coast in. A couple of things everybody's going to notice, everybody in the car is going to notice is the general... Um, environmentals of Nairobi have been greatly upset. And so lights are on on many of the houses that are nearby. There are uh, British uh, troops, colonial troops that have been dispatched at this point that are beginning to push their way into the streets to try to quell any concerns or riots that uh, might break out. And there is an awful lot of people moving around in the middle of the night now, mostly because the police station is on fire um, and the buildings nearby now are beginning to catch blaze. I didn't do that. Are there people like actively their houses are burning around us or? No, I wouldn't say I would not say actively burning around you. I would say that. The area that you came from, there was a there was definitely a fire, and uh, for several different regions, you had a you had, you had a torch carrying mob, you had firearms going off. Uh, there might have been a small earthquake. At least that's what it sounds like people were talking about. Oh, I recognize that earthquake. So, Jack, we only have a limited amount of time. I think this could get out of hand quite fast. Yeah, yeah, we need to get our stuff. Yeah, and get out of here. Somebody needs to stay with the car. Well, so that's what I was going to say. Jack, just get my, make sure you get my bag, my doctor bag and my mm-hmm. journal. Uh, that is some of my most important things. If you can get my suitcase, that's fine. If you cannot, I understand it will not be sad. Got it. Okay. So Jack's definitely going in. Then who's going with him? If anyone. I am. Okay. So um, Lillian, are you going to get left in this truck in this, in this car by yourself with the doctor? I wouldn't be lo- by myself, but I, I, I look over at, at Jack and Robert. And do, do you guys need help? Take all I can get. Yeah, I mean, we're, I don't know if we can get everything, but we're gonna get what we can. Okay, Doctor, are you gonna be okay? I would be fond of her, uh, especially if you hurry. Yeah. Do you need a weapon? Um, I think I can find one in the car. Yeah. Okay. Hide him with him. Okay. The three of you head back in to Hampton House. Um, surprisingly, the door in the front is open. Probably not that surprising. It's a little surprising. The last time that people came up to Hampton House at night, it was locked. Well, yeah. And <clears throat> staff here sort of explained that normally it's locked. Yeah. In fact, it's undoubtedly that if you weren't coming in quietly, someone might have reached for the the rope to pull the bell. But the door is open. All right. Uh, I won't go running in. I will quietly open the door. You quietly open the door. Take a look uh, around. Doesn't take very long. Uh, the tall man who used to help with luggage here is splayed out on the floor. He's been gutted from stem to stern. Beyond him, a few other members of staff seem like they have also had something terrible befall them. It looks like a few limbs have been taken. Mm. All right. Cultists have been here. Well, probably the easiest way to get our stuff in broad daylight is to call the cops that are outside, the colonial troops that are outside. 
Yeah, I don't want to draw their attention. What? We're just guests of the hotel. I think we should go in and handle this. So what are you doing, Jack? Um, I'm going to ease the door open some more and uh, slip into the building. I okay. mean, quiet, like. Those bodies are very fresh. Probably within half an hour. I mean, you're a detective, former cop. You, you have a good idea about when, how long it takes to. Right. They're um, still dripping. Yeah. They're juicy. You head upstairs. Yeah. Other than the bodies that have been already splayed out here, the hotel is quiet. Very quiet. Your rooms, when you get to them, the doors have been locked. Well, I guess I'll have to open them. Okay. So I won't make you roll for it, given your locksmithing. And the locks here are not in any way complex. Um, you take a few moments and you unlock. Whose door are you going to first? Uh, mine first. Okay. You unlock your door. Um, and inside, your room looks relatively the same. You don't see a bunch of... You don't think your, your stuff has been tossed or anything like that. Okay, well, first thing I'll get is my gun. Okay. You go in and get your gun. Wait, do I hear anything? You hear the outside murmurs of panic in the streets. You hear the calls of um, soldiers in English. You hear men shout, uh, go back to your homes. This is all being taken care of. We don't need a problem. You hear general uh, attempts at returning Nairobi's streets to order. Right. Um, I go back to the top of the stairs. Okay. I'll call down. Robert. I think they're gone. I head upstairs. Okay. Doesn't look like our stuff's been tossed yet. I've only been in my room, but we can check it out and get what we can. Well, let me get my room first so I can get my gun. Yeah. You head in after you open the, mm -hmm. open the door. Mm -hmm. A very similar experience. Your stuff seems to be in order. It looks like maybe the staff locked all of the rooms up after you left. Reasonable. At least a little bit. It seems a little strange that Reggie wouldn't have the rooms tossed, but... Right, I mean... You also haven't seen him either. I uh, collect my gun, collect my one suitcase. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Uh, Maeve. I get my uh, suitcase and... Rifle. Okay. Oh, I don't have a rifle. Never mind. Nope. You got something weighed in Maeve's suitcase. Yeah. I go check out Maeve's. So when you get to Maeve's door, a couple things are relatively clear. One, this door's been kicked in. Two, it looks like there are some very deep gouges near the door handle. Thick. It almost looks like somebody, somebody tried to axe their way into the door. And then after a while, they just kicked the door. Probably use the old uh, curved blades that these guys like. Yes, the pang. Yeah. The um, traditional cult of the bloody tongue curved dagger. Also real good for cutting people's arms off. As it so happens to be. Um, so I'm assuming her room's been tossed? It certainly has. Maeve is not going to be happy. What's all missing? That's hard to say. Uh, it looks like they tried to get into her suitcase but weren't able to. And so the, the room has been mostly smashed oh. at this point. Oh, that's good. That could have been bad, real bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, we grab her trunk and then we get uh, the doctor's stuff. <laughs> um, while, you, while, while you go get the doctor's stuff, I'm going to look for a cart. Good idea. And I'm just waiting patiently by my, my room door, waiting for somebody to unlock it. I forgot you would come along. I thought you'd stay with the doctor. I am you so come, sorry. You come back out, Jack, I'll and you open, see Lily. I'll open up your door for you. I'm sorry. Standing there, tapping her foot. I totally forgot. I my mistake. <laughs> Just waiting patiently. Somebody could have came and murdered me while waiting no for my door to get up. You walk down and get her room unlocked. Um, and when you unlock her room... There's a flash, like, under the door jamb, um, bright yellow light, just for a second. It almost looks like headlights passing nearby. Ooh. Was that alerting somebody? I asked that to Jack. 
Shh. I pull my gun. Kick the door in. So it's a strength test. Uh, 27 under 60. Oh, That's hard success. You step back and then force your heel into right underneath where the door handle is. And there's a sharp crack and the door swings open. And when the door swings open, there's a man in sort of a tight-fitted robe of sorts. It's a more traditional clothing that you've seen worn around here. It's it's red, and then there are these long streaks in it of white. And you see a torch in his hand. And he has his hand, his other hand, left hand, in Miss Lane's open trunk. And he's trying to pull something out of it. He's going to get uh, three shots in the chest. Okay. Um, you'll clearly beat him on initiative, so go ahead and make your rolls. That's a 24 under uh, 84. Uh, 69 under 84. Nice. Nice. Seven and under 84. Okay. So I won't make you roll the damage because it's a little unnecessary. Um, You fire three shots dead center. You basically walk up from sternum to throat to head. And there's a spray of arterial red that goes through the room. And he collapses back onto the floor. The flashlight rolls on the floor. And then his other hand, he has some random garment from Lillian's uh, trunk. Looks like he had an admirer, Lillian. Oh, I thought he was going for the book. Doctor, you hear gunfire from inside the hotel. I hope they are all right. Doc gets behind the wheel, kind of slumps down a little bit, keys in the ignition. Like, does this a start like a, a keyed ignition, 26, or is this like a... No, it's just a, it's a crank ignition for sure. Okay, I do actually have to, I would have to crank it. Okay, so uh, he makes sure the crank is inside so nobody grabs it and waits kind of slumped back. He doesn't want to get uh, bludgeoned to death with his own crank. I mean, not again. Right. Not again. Other than that, Lillian, other than your some of your articles of clothing that have been gone through, when you get to over to the trunk, you see that the book that you had sort of sequestered in your trunk, that tome which you can't part with, is there now sitting on top. So it's very possible that he may have been going after it. I might look over at Jack. How much stuff do you think we need to bring? Well, probably as little as we can. Some clothes and whatever else you need for the road. Yeah, I have a... It's not a sack. It's like a satchel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I shove the book in there. I shove um, a couple pairs of pants, shirts, undergarments, whatever. I grab my um, my rifle. Which is under the bed. Mm-hmm. Grab that. Fourth is four sights. I grab all that and that's it. Everything else can stay. Okay. So you're busy gathering some things. Gentlemen, you gather what you can. The doctor's uh, hotel room, for the most part, is uh, perfectly intact as it was. You're able to collect his things, his doctor's bag, and then any other trunks you want. The two of you can carry two trunks. Did he find a cart? Uh, No. Okay. No. The two of you can carry two trunks, right? Lillian has her satchel. So... Between the three of you collectively in there, you'll be able to get everybody's stuff out. Good, good. All right, uh, we head back to the car. You head downstairs. Oh, oh, shit, I just saw something. <laughs> uh, as you head downstairs, there are a small line of men in British army uniforms who've come in the front door with rifles and a torch or two they're they're turning on lights and they're beginning to expose this grisly scene to uh, everybody and that's when you are sort of trundling down the stairs with the uh, with the with the all of the goodies upstairs Hmm? one of the men who did this is upstairs he attacked us stay where you are 
one of the soldiers heads past you up the stairs. The other one seems to cover any potential exit through, like, the dining and kitchen area. Can, can we put these down? Yeah, yes, come down, come down here. Come down here right now. How long have you been here? Minutes. Hmm. About 10 or 15 seconds pass. You see the two soldiers that are here just trying to get a... They're trying to get a grip on what they're seeing. There's a call from upstairs. One of, You hear a voice say, well, it's, It looks like um, there's, a, there's a dead man up here. Dojo, he attacked us. Right. I assume you're checking out? Yeah, I want to get out of here before uh, this city explodes. It might be too late for that. There won't be a train going back to Mombasa anytime soon. Well, I'll f- see if I can find somewhere else safer. All right, then. On your way, good luck. Thank you. British soldiers even tip their hat to you, Lillian. Good lord, I can't believe that worked. I wink at them as I walk by. My, my. Are they dragging bodies together? No, they haven't touched anything yet. Just a quick look. Reggie is not among any of the bodies that we saw. He does not appear to be, no. Pity. Okay, you head back out to the car. Mm Mm-hmm. You pile into that car with as much as you can possibly carry and load. There is a small trunk, but it's not going to fit anything more than one. Well, we'll just have to make do. You make do. Yeah, there's, re- there's really no way to comfortably sit in this vehicle for four people anymore. And none of you have rope or anything to strap these things to the back of it. We're going to have to... Re- we have to rearrange at some point. One trunk can go upright between two people in the back seat. Well, the truth is we're not going to be able to keep this car. Yeah, I know. But we need it to get to wherever it is we're going to leave this car. I wonder perhaps if there's a utility truck around here. Maybe that's right here. Steal a different car? I really don't want to be stealing cars when all the cops are on the street. That's a good point. And besides, we can't use a car to get where we're going. Yeah. So we just have to, let's just get to somewhere. We dump it. We get to, we find something else to, some other kind of transportation. See if we can get to Kenyatta's. And then the next day we just get the stuff to go in the bush and go. I don't really want to put anything on Kenyatta right now. I'm sure he, he's not there for us to be. Uh... Have you? Have you got any other ideas of places to stay? No. At this time of night? That's fair. I mean, I guess we can go to Kenyatta's in. Actually, there is a possibility. Hmm. Is there an American consulate in here? Uh, no. Okay, so we have to go to Kenyatta's. That's the closest thing we have. There's a British consulate. I don't think any of you are British citizens, though. That being said, you head over to Swahili Town. It's the only place you know where Kenyatta is. His offices are open. The light is on. And there are several people moving in and out of them. So people are active here even at 2 o'clock in the morning. You see him after a few moments. You can see him through the window. He's talking to a couple people. I really wish Sam was here. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go in. If uh, anything happens, you guys can get away, right? I am certain we can. Okay. You head in. You see him pick up a clipboard and hand it to um, a young girl. She's probably no more than 10 or 11. And he says, uh, run through the list, check off any names that you think uh, are missing. He looks up. You can tell he's tired. Uh, Mr. Doyle. I thought I might see you. Uh, well, we did kick over a horn's nest today. Yes, it does seem that way. Things progress quickly. Are you in danger? Well, we uh, we need some place to uh, lay low. For the night. Well, um, I think I can help. He goes in, into his office and then comes back no more than maybe 10 or 15 seconds later. There is a small house just on the outskirts of town, on the north end of town. It should be large enough for you to sleep. Okay. 
thank you. Nairobi is coming apart. Yeah, um, if you don't know already, you should get somebody to look in the basement of Tanker's uh, shop. All right. There's uh, something disturbing down there. That's unfortunate, but uh, it's for another time. Thank you very much. Of course. More people come back, come in, like behind you. Right. We'll leave you to your uh, work. Of course. Good luck. You too. Attached to the keys are a tag that looks like it has a postal code on it. We'll do our best to find the house. It takes you a little while. Probably half an hour. You have to skirt the outside of some of the roads here because driving directly there would take you right past the police station. Um, The city, the closer you get towards any of the center points, is all locked up. Uh, Troops are now on the roads, the major roads, and they are keeping people from getting near anywhere near the parks and police station at this point. Um, And while there isn't any violence that you can tell, you can tell there's definitely some uneasiness between the people here. I will leave you all there and then transition just a little south of town to a nice wooded glen where there's a fire going. Um, So for Sam and Maeve, it has been a couple of hours since you were, well, since we last saw you. Um, Maeve, you had a chance to get some rest by the fire. Sam, you've been lounging in a tree for certain reasons. It was pretty hot near the fire, but I think the only thing that I'm going to make sure after after Maeve is, I'm sure that she's resting. I'm not too worried about anything else coming. Uh, I will spend a little bit of time by the fire checking out this ring mm-hmm. and trying to determine whether, well, there's a reason that Tonker was wearing it probably. So what does it look like? So it is a thick gold band. Uh, it bears a red gemstone. I will do what generally we have Maeve do when we encounter strange things. I'm going to sift through my things. I'm going to get one of my books. I'll get the Book of Ebon, probably my best one. And I will try to determine whether or not there's any references to this item or thing to to anything on it. So systematically speaking, if you're if you're going to try to do something we would just say close to um, identification. I cast identify. Yeah, you don't have it. I swallow the. <laughs> I cast I, identify. I swallow the pearl. <laughs> I wave it around to see if it's magical. <laughs> it's so true. It's basically what you're doing. Um, yeah, I would have you make a Cthulhu Mythos roll. You can alter nice. that roll by utilizing one of the books. So you take the Cthulhu Mythos rating of the book, and then you make your roll. Okay, what's the rating of the book of people? 36. Mm, okay. Oh, it's the first time this ever happened. I want to take a picture. Here's my phone. It's a one. I rolled a one. Okay, I thought you had, I thought you had a small stork having an orgasm. but I kind of did. I, this is my first, first time. Okay. Oh, God, feels good. <laughs> so... Over the next couple of hours, you you dive into this story about an ancient spellcaster, which is really what the Book of Ubon is about. It's about this spellcaster's journey through life and through the dreamlands and through these weird, strange worlds that he walked through. And in one of the stories, there is a reference to a series of mystical jewelry. And it does explain in this series of jewelry that there is a ring, uh, a heavy golden ring with um, you know, red stones on it. And if you didn't know any better, you would think that the book was tapping into your brain to like pull the translation of what you're seeing into the text. In fact, maybe that, maybe that is what's happening. Uh, but you get the sudden feeling like this ring has the ability to be a vessel for mystical power and it also has the additional ability to prevent you from being harmed by flames it no protects the wearer from flames so that's how she did it it makes so much sense oh my god okay so I, i upon reading this i have to i have to test it now Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to put the ring on. I, I try to remember which finger Ton Kerr had it on. Right middle. Okay. So I put it on. I put it. I put it on my waving finger. Oh, it it doesn't um it doesn't fit. Oh, okay. Tonkor's hands were a little different than yours. So I'll just I'll try it on my pinky. Oh, it's ring finger. Oh, okay. It fits a little better there. I look up at the sky and I I pray to Bast that this is not a prank and I will thrust my hand into the fire. You thrust your hand into the fire. And I close my eyes. You feel the heat. It takes over immediately. The heat, mm. the the rush of all of your sense, senses just battering the inside of your frontal lobe to remove your hand from the fire. The heat never grows hotter than a warm cup of tea. I'll open my eyes to make sure I'm not being duped by my own. Uh, oh my God, it, your hand has been charred. It's blackened. No, wait, no, no, it's... It's perfectly fine. There's no markings on it at all. The ring, however, the stone seems to glisten in a light which does not exist. So as a, you said it can act as a vessel. How to, how to deposit? I don't know how that works. <laughs> you go back to the story. And yeah, you read. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read up again. So the wizard purchases a series of mystical jewelry and imbues them with significant power. In one of the stories, he uses a ring to draw life energy out of someone. And he has to make contact with that person, physical contact, and then will their life energy into the ring. That's dangerous and awful. Okay. I only look at Maeve for like a split second. And I shake the head. Um, okay. I'll make sure that I... If there's any disclaimers that follow after that, I'll make sure that I read a little further ahead. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes sometimes you just read how to do something, but you lose the fine print. So I'm going to... I'll read a little bit further, and I will allow myself to kind of... Um, until I, if I feel like I understand what I'm going to understand about it, then I will put my book away. And, um, well, now that the fire is not hot anymore, I guess I'll sleep by the fire. Yeah. It's sort of a double edged sword, though. You learn probably an hour or so later. You realize that you don't get as warm as you thought you would. Oh. Oh, that's okay. Well, here we are now. Here you are. After a little while, Nairobi begins to wake up from all of the chaos earlier in the night. The people in the streets, the places where some people go to relax or to get away from things are parks, green spaces. And the both of you become very intimately aware that there are people coming closer to where this fire is. Uh, has, has May woken up? We'll say that she is waking up. Then I will... Uh gather all of uh, her clean, dry robes and clothing, and I'll bring them over, and I will quietly ask, uh, so are you feeling like yourself this morning? What does feeling like myself mean? I mean, I, I feel like I feel. So I just want to make sure that you're, you know, got your wits about you. I will hand your things over. Thanks. Excuse me. Get dressed. One thing we didn't mention that I thought of, though, because mm -hmm. Maeve wouldn't have thought about it, and, you know, she took her robes off. She has a necklace hanging from her neck uh -huh. that is normally hidden. Yep, that's true. So it's it's definitely really the only thing that she would be wearing at this point, minus the clothes that she was given. Like, that is something that you would notice, Sam, is that she wears a heavy... Uh, inverted ankh around her neck. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so as she's getting dressed, I will, um, I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to look at her while she's getting dressed, obviously, but I will just kind of say over my shoulder, like, I probably don't need to tell you where the power for whatever that thing is comes from. I told myself I trusted you a long time ago, 
but uh, I divested myself of my blade for a reason. I appreciate that, but I can't get rid of it. I, I turn around. What do you, <laughs> I what do you mean? I can't get rid of it. It's been with me f- since Lillian gave it, to, well, handed it to me. <laughs> you, mean, you mean like like you've been cursed? Um, sort of. I mean, it's a give and take. Look, as if you know, then you know. It can stay between us. It's fine. We're going to end this one way or the yeah. other. I mean, I tried. I tried to get rid of it and I couldn't. So it's, it's just. Well, maybe it if and when this is, if and when this is over, maybe we can go back to Bandari and maybe Bandari can help us. Maybe, or maybe it won't have anything once we get rid of all of this. <laughs> That's a hope and a half. You ready to go? Yeah. I will uh, help uh, Maeve also adjust her hood and such to provide a little bit more, you know, cover to make sure that she feels comfortable walking around so that people don't, you know, gawk or what have you. I go back in the police uniform. Hmm. Yeah, it is going to be a difficult road to walk in public with her at this point. Really, she likely needs a face covering. A veil. Yeah, I can make a veil out of what she has, I think. Or out of what I what I have, right? Yeah, I, I would say it's likely that you could you could make something um, to cover her face. It's it, it's really like, well, <laughs> it's the eyes, and now like proceeding down into the upper part of the cheekbone, that sort of gives her a little different of a view. Like visually, you can tell um, it's not something that's hidden to the naked eye anymore. Her eyes alone uh, make things difficult. Um, well, then... Oh, oh, she probably doesn't know either. Well, I will then say. Because um, whatever happened at the police station, whatever whatever you did has taken its toll on you, and I will offer her my makeup mirror. Is it different from what I've seen before? It's a little different, yeah. Oh. Um, the... It's different, but you don't disapprove of what's happening. Like, this is all in your mind. As soon as you see it, you're like, oh, well, of course. Mm-hmm. This is part of the deal which was struck. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have accepted. Um, you are beginning to look a little bit more like your sister. And a little bit more serpent-like. Right. It's not unbecoming Mm-mm. to you. But other people might get a little freaked out. Right. Yeah, this is why I stay in my room or whatever until, you know, we move at night. I mean, I, I can help you um, for now. I mean, we just need to be able to find the others. Yeah. I will strip down some of the cloth and uh, things that I pulled. Like, I'll pull the top layer off of something that might be layered so that's super sheer and craft kind of like a full face veil with a bit of a dip so that she can see over it and then I'll drop something down from the top to you know create kind of like a layered veil so that she can see through it but it creates shadows enough to cover her face and and hood her eyes mm-hmm. okay I will again I won't make you make a disguise roll for it because we're sort of beyond the perfunctory roles at this point uh, for you Maeve it does sort of feel like putting on like a Halloween costume mm-hmm. so you put on a costume and it definitely does affect the way you can see. You have, a, you have a big hood on and you have a veil and you know that after a while that it's going to get uncomfortable. But that being said, where are the two of you going? So the easiest thing for me to do, I know that they were going back to the hotel and I'm not afraid to go there, especially in uniform. Because uh, I, I wasn't staying there anyway, so mm-hmm. uh, and they shouldn't be able to tell who she is at least not immediately. So I will. Uh, I wouldn't think so. We should probably go back to the hotel or at least to see if we can get an idea as to where they might have run off to with their things. Yeah. Um, if not, we can always track the car. Maybe it's the best idea I have, unless you know something, uh, unless you know a way to locate them. Mm, I don't. Um... Like, I look down at, like, open my bag and look down at Slander. Like, 
would you be able to find them? Yeah, you don't think Slander would have an, an ability to locate them. Yeah, I don't um, think he could track them better than... Well, they're not going to get too far with all that stuff. Yeah, it's true. You'd probably have to locate... You would think you'd probably have to... Going to the hotel is the, fir- is the first stop. Yeah. Right? So walking back to the hotel uh, for you... Sam, you notice fairly immediately that the hotel by 5 a.m. dawn is surrounded by police and uh, other British officers. And I remember the vehicle that they took, right? Yeah, you remember seeing it. Absolutely. So considering the traffic here, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, the tracks are probably destroyed. So... When I noticed the the pack of, I guess, swarming, you know, cops and soldiers, um, mm-hmm. I will, I'll, I'll step away from Maeve and head toward them, you know, with the kind of a, you know, stern posture and I'll look, I'll look like I'm about my business. Okay. So, so just, just to, to give you the role, because I think it's reasonably to give you the role. There aren't too many cars that have passed through this area. Oh, okay. At least... Um, in in that time. So That's what good. I would say is, if you'd like, you could give me an extreme track roll. <laughs> and I would be happy to give you an opportunity to pick up um, a car track. I will try my best. What's uh, pretty close. Uh, it's a 14 out of 76. How close is that? You said it was 15, so I, I got a 14. Oh. Yeah. So that's, yeah, yeah okay. all so, right, cool. Nice, all so, right, I'll take it. You're, you're good. Um, so you get ready to go towards further towards the hotel, and you sort of, I guess, with Mabe, sort of just hung out, like, by a single building, just try to stay out of the way. And as you get ready to cross that street, you realize that there are two automobile tracks. And it's not the tracks that you recognize so much. It's all these footprints. It's not the footprints either, actually. What you pick up on, and probably you a little bit too, Maeve, is that you smell a familiar pipe tobacco. Hmm. Okay. And then the two of you kind of collectively imagine the doctor waiting in the car and imagine what he might be doing. Then I, I would expect to then see a, a tap out probably wherever they were parked. Yep, there's one. All right. Um, then I will about face and uh, say uh, to Maeve, I, I think in which way they went, we can just go. Okay. The two of you track those tracks over to Swahili Town. They make a stop in front of the political offices of Johnstone Kenyatta. A bold choice, to say the least, <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. But honestly, like, I can't. I can't fault them. I can't fault the decision making. Like, there's nowhere else for them to go. It was either this, or I could probably go back to the mission. So, um, yeah, I think we just rolled into the office. Okay. Yeah, Kenyatta is drinking coffee and looking over ledgers and that sort of thing. He uh, greets the both of you as you come in. Yeah, I take off my hat, give him a nice snap to attention, click my heels together, and morning, sir. Good morning, officer. Is there a, is there a problem? Uh, no problem. We were just uh, looking for, um, I don't suppose you happen to have seen four Americans come through here with a Jeep that may have belonged to uh, the Constabulary? Well, I couldn't say anything about it. If they did come through here, it's likely that they would have needed... Uh, some rest. It sounds like they had a long night. As have we all. He uh, steps around the desk after scribbling something on a piece of paper and hands it to you. I don't. I don't look at. It. I, I take it and I will kind of quietly lean forward. I can't imagine how much uh, your how much your people have been impacted after last night, but I'm sorry. It's considerable. The city is going to tear itself apart if we're not careful. I am going to send someone your way. 
There's a man I know who knows this area better than anyone. And if you mean to make a trip somewhere less than safe, he's the man you want with you. You share something in common. Oh? His name is Sam, too. Oh. That'll make easy remembering it easier. Um, there's one question I had. Um, I was... Just one? For now. Uh, there was a mention of a, of a town or a village uh, between here and more dangerous places. Uh, mm. I, I was unfamiliar. Uh, it doesn't appear on any map that I have or any map that I've seen. Uh, who's there? Who, who's living that close to... My family, members of my tribe. Ndovu is a Kiyuku village. Oh, well, I was told. Why do you ask? Uh, I was. Would you believe that um, I was told about them in a vision? Uh, well, it's hard to say that um, visions couldn't be believed. You've been doing some work. Also. If if I'm right, I think that your um, German doctor friend and Dr. Starrett have had some talks. I saw Starrett um, last night, and he said that ah, that man can drink an awful whiskey. The doctor is good at a great many things. I I used to fear for his liver. Now I just am amazed by it. Um, we should probably get moving. But uh, Maeve, did you did you need anything? I don't think so. Because I don't know if we're coming back here, so... I mean, our our path is clear. Isn't it? Well, Mr. Kenyatta, it has been an honor. Has it? It has. I look forward to it. Seeing you again, of course. I look forward to being seen again. Not in town, though. Not in town. No. Uh, I'll put my hat back on. Thank you. Hold the paper and slide out of the office. Taking the paper and the directions they're in, you eventually head towards a house just northwest of town where our other investigators have been able to lay low. So the house probably has room, Jack, to sleep four or five comfortably. If you squeeze in, you could probably get a sixth. Uh, you can stack the trunks to keep them out of the way. There's no garage by any means, so you'll have to decide sort of where you and the group are gonna are gonna put the vehicle. But the, there are beds there that you can lay down on. It's not like they have bed frames per se, but there are beds, and it's off the main street a little bit. It's in a quiet area of town, uh, sparsely populated. It's better than nothing. We're gonna park the car a couple of blocks away because we don't want uh, it parked right outside the house. Okay. It'll afford the investigators probably two or three hours of sleep at this point. Okay. I'm assuming most of you likely are a little exhausted, especially after the trial at the police stations and being kept up all night. Mm-hmm. Hey, luckily I uh, had a long nap. That's true. That's true. A long nap. So around about seven o'clock or so, Sam, you and Maeve arrive at this house. I smile and I walk up to the door and I bang on it like I'm the police. I say in a very stern tone, Kenya police service, police, open this door. Bang, 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 bang. I go to answer the door. Pleasantly. Okay, so... Uh, bathrobe jack or pistol jack? That's what I want to know. Um, well, it's not going to be a bathrobe, but it's uh, dressed and uh, no pistol. Okay. Because it's the police. I don't want to, you know, I'm not shooting my way out of here. You you open the door? Mm-hmm. There's a police officer. I keep, I keep the head a little low. I stand there for a second. Can I help you, officer? I hug him. Oh, well. Oh, there's Maeve. <laughs> oh, get off of me. <laughs> Is everyone safe? Yeah, we're all here. I'm glad you found us. I had you. I had you. 
Yeah, yeah, you had me. It's been a long night, all right? I've had enough cops coming in. Uh, it will likely wake up other people, but um, if the group chooses to, um, this space can be a place where they can get some rest, like an actual rest period. Yeah, probably a good idea. Um, again, yeah, again, not the most comfortable place. Sam, you might have to sleep in the bathtub. But. Yeah, well, I'll curl up. Um, I heard y'all stop to see Kenyatta. Um, he mentioned that uh, he was going to send someone our way named Sam to help us find our way to where we're going. Oh, good. So we're going to need supplies and training. Yeah. We need a lot of stuff. Did you ditch, oh. the, ditch the car? Yeah. Okay. I know where to get that. Okay. Um, we just need to come up with the cash to do it on hand real fast. I assume that's Lillian's lookout. Well, I, I think we could probably scrape together some cash uh, from what we all have. Do you manage to get everything back from the hotel? I'll just say this now on the record. The doctor has no more money left. He is broke. He used his shoe money. Oh, wow. Zero. So you line up sort of like sardines in a can. There are some other rooms that you can go to, but um, there. this is basically a two-bedroom place which has six people in it. So you make do. That's what you do. And you plot and plan, at least in your head, to figure out what's next. Uh, and so we're going to pull our episode to a close there and thank our listeners for joining us on this episode of Mask of Neurostep. We greatly look forward to the rest of the Kenya chapter, and we thank you for listening. And good night.